Welcome inside the Locked On Longhorns podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kahn. My co-host, Cammie, will be joining momentarily. First, I want to remind you, you can follow us on social media. Our Twitter account for the show is LO underscore Longhorns. You can follow me at Pat Sports Guy. Follow her at Cammie Also, please give us a rating and subscribe. It really helps other Longhorns fans find our podcast and join the conversation. This is going to be a little bit different of an episode than we're used to, Cammie. Uh, we got to get into some COVID-19 coronavirus talk. Not something I really wanted to lead off with, but we got some big news involving the NCAA and Big 12 tournaments being played with no fans. The Big 12 tournament announced today that they will allow schools to have 125 tickets, and it is up to the university to decide how those are given out. Right. I believe it's mostly family members, and I don't know. Have they actually mentioned what happened to the media? Are they allowed access into these events? I have not heard any updates as far as as far as that's concerned. I don't think they've given out any information on that. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they actually don't allow media there, considering what happened to the NBA uh, last night. Um, Wasn't the jazz player touching the mics and things like that. So you never know. It's just that easy to spread. But um, do you think that's actually going to impact in terms of Texas and the Big 12 men's basketball tournament? Or how do you think that's going to um, affect their play, per se? I don't think it's going to affect them at all because Texas men's basketball team is used to playing with nobody around. Exactly. <laughs> I was um, hoping you'd say that. Uh, I mean, honestly, it's not like a huge deal, I don't think, because uh, for that reason alone, playing in front of, you know, they've they played under small crowds. Um, you know, it's going to essentially it's going to become a scrimmage in terms of playing with very limited people there. You know, it's a tough it's a tough deal. And. I don't want to say this is an overreaction because I don't like, I didn't understand it at first, but you know, being as widespread as it is the concern with, like you said, the last night, the NBA canceled, not only canceled the, the game between the Utah jazz and the Oklahoma city thunder due to Rudy Gobert being tested positive for it. Now he didn't touch the microphones and everything on the game last night. It was, it was several days prior to that because he wasn't even the, in the arena for the game last night. So, but they've canceled the season and now it makes you question, are they going to cancel the NCAA tournament? I'm very conflicted on that. I think at first, um, I guess 24 hours ago, you could say I, Thought it would be totally fine to play the NCAA men's tournament. Um, just no fans, obviously, would be present. But once, um, like you mentioned, the NBA postponed their season, some players were getting it. I mean, even celebrities like Tom Hanks and things like that. I think it went from zero to 100, obviously, real quick. And so it just seemed like news after news after news after news was coming out. So um, I don't really think it's an overreaction. I think um, they're taking the necessary steps and guidelines to assure it doesn't obviously um, get worse and impact more and more people. But um, it's just crazy. I think we'll remember this day for a long time. Yeah, I think so, too. I, You know, I would say that the reason why the NBA went ahead and canceled is because one of their players contracted it. You know, because I think they were looking at a way to like, look, we can we can still play our games, you know, 
you know, contractual obligations for TV, things of that nature. Still play the games in a closed arena, a closed environment to limit spread. But then once one of their players got it, then they were like, okay, now we have to do something else. Right. And I also believe a report came out about the Nebraska coach for men's basketball and they were quarantined because he wasn't feeling well and he ended up Mm -hmm. going to the locker room. So I think more and more, once you see it impacting actually actual players and coaches and things like that, um, I would be very worried that they might actually cancel the tournament altogether. Yeah. And you're referring to former Iowa state Cyclones head coach, Fred Hoiberg. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I I heard that too, during the big 10 tournament, the big 10 tournament said that, and I didn't, see anything after that but i saw that the big 10 tournament said they're basically going to close the games the fans and so now the big 12 came out you know shortly after so you posted on longhorns wire about the ncaa tournament basically closing it to fans and so basically they'll be playing in empty arenas after that the Big 12 came out and made their 125 maximum tickets available for the game. And now the University of Texas, uh, President Ken, and I don't want to butcher his name. Is it Finvers? Finvers? I'm, I'm not sure. I think so. Uh, well, he came out and he extended the spring break until the 30th, essentially. So that next Monday that uh, they'll be able to return back to the university for classes. And my question is, how will that affect spring football that's slated to begin on the 25th? However, if students aren't allowed back on the campus until the 30th, how does that impact it? And and they haven't really said anything other than I think it's got to get pushed back. Yeah, well, I think it's up in the air right now because there was also several reports. I know that currently um, in terms of Texas athletics and accepting fans at the games and things like that, they kind of put a deadline on that for March 22nd right now to not attend those games. So I'm curious to see if that either gets prolonged. And I think this entire like the coronavirus in general is kind of one of those um, they're going to make – edits, for example, or maybe they'll extend March 22nd to the end of April or things like that. I think they're kind of weighing it right now and um, kind of putting the necessary procedures and uh, guidelines in place. But I think right now spring practice would go on as normal just because the recent report report, um, for Texas athletics was saying March 22nd. But um, for example, I know air travel, airline, things like that uh, to Europe is suspended 30 days. So that obviously takes us into April. So if that's the case, and um, I guess more reports come out, um, or obviously the outbreak gets worse or things like that, I think it would have, and maybe even cancel spring football altogether. So I don't know. I think everything, like I mentioned, is just very up in the air right now. Yeah, it may not so much be that they cancel spring football, whereas it may just cancel like the how having practice open and then, you know, like you said, canceling the game itself, you know, still holding practice so that they can still maintain, you know, practice for, you know, to get ready for football in the fall. You know, I think that that could be an idea of what they go with. So, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a new thing. It's not something that, you know, any of us could really prepare for. 
Um, you know, we here at Locked On are going to do our best to continue to bring sports coverage to fans. I know a lot of people use sports as as a way of kind of a distraction of, you know, real world problems. You know, what's going on in the world. But we're going to do our best to provide the best coverage that we can, you know, provided there are athletic events to cover. Uh, but coming up next, we're going to get into some talk about – I'm going to preview the Texas Tech game with Carson Robinson. He is uh, he does a radio show, the part of the Rob Bro Show in Lubbock on 1340 AM, and we'll get into that next. All right, welcome back into the Locked on Longhorns podcast. I'm joined now by Carson Robinson of 1340 AM in Lubbock. He is part of the Rob Bro Show that you can hear every day, Monday through Friday. And Carson, we I brought you on because we want to talk about this game that's coming up tonight, Texas, or I'm sorry, today, Texas Tech, Texas. This feels like a play-in game, doesn't it? I mean, Tech has lost four straight. Um, they, they In that second game, they lost to Texas, so they lost their first two games by 10. And then they turn around and play the top two teams in the Big 12 in Baylor and Kansas, and they played them close. So, uh, so does this feel like a play-in game just from a Lubbock perspective and as far as what you're hearing out there? Yeah, no doubt. Uh, it's one of those deals where, you know, the, the skeptics are all over the place here in Lubbock. Um, the fair weather fans are back out saying, all oh, this team's not going to make the tournament anymore. They're not as good as they, we thought they were going to be, all this other stuff. I'm of the idea that if Texas Tech puts together a good showing, even in a losing effort, you know, if that's an overtime loss to Texas, uh, whatever it might be, they still have a chance at getting into the NCAA tournament just because of the resume that they put together um, with the wins over Louisville, a lot of close losses and against top 25 teams. The only bad loss really on there uh, early in the season was the DePaul loss and they didn't end up playing well in the Big East. But this does have kind of a play-in type feel. You're right. I mean, we said that my co-host Rob Bro and I on our show, we said, you know, the Tech Texas game a couple Saturdays ago was kind of like a play-in game. If Texas Tech won, they assured themselves a spot in the in the NCAA tournament. If they lost, it was going to be up in the air because you had Kansas coming into town uh, on that Saturday the next time, and uh, or and it just didn't work out. And so Texas Tech. Much like what Texas did, Texas beats Texas Tech, and then they go to Oklahoma State, where they win that game, they're probably in the tournament already. No questions asked whether they lose this game to, today or not to Texas Tech. So, yeah, I think it's there's a little bit of feeling both. I think there's some people that think Texas Tech is in, whether they win or lose. If they lose by 20, I don't think they're in. But if they lose a close one to Texas, who's playing pretty good basketball right now, if you throw that Oklahoma State game out the window, uh, I think, yeah, this this comes down to – what does the eyeball test show of Texas Tech? But for Texas, I think Texas has to win this basketball game to make the NCAA tournament. Yeah, it's really it's a tough situation right now for the Longhorns when you look at all the injuries that they're dealing with. Jericho Sims hasn't played since that first Texas Tech game. He's out for the season. Don't know what's going. You know, don't know what his plans are. Is he going right. to try to go to the NBA draft? Is he going to come back next year? And then we find out. Yesterday, late uh, yesterday afternoon, Brock Cunningham, sw swollen ankle. He's in doubt for the game today against Tech. And, you know, that may not seem like a big deal to some people, but he's a high-energy guy. 
yeah. you know, he's you need those guys who who can be a pest on the floor. As you know, every player has a role, and his role is to be a pest, get rebounds, assists, add add some points, you know, just to help out with the scoring. But you know, with him going down with that injury on top of all the other injuries, uh, Jace Febris done for the year. He had surgery. So that was their best shooter. So now you're having to really rely on Andrew Jones and and having to rely more on Matt Coleman and, and Courtney Ramey. Those guys have been spotty. They'll have great games and then they'll have their games where, you know, they, they score four points here or five points here. And it's like, you really need those guys with the shock system. It's so much built on elite guard play that if you don't get really good guard play in your game, it's really tough. And I think that's a big part of why they lost Oklahoma State, other than the fact that I, it felt like they didn't take that game seriously without the energy. But as far as the game, uh, Heck has one of the best young stars in the game right now in Jemias Ramsey. Yeah. Is, is that – for Texas to pull off another victory, their second straight victory over Tech, do they have to really eliminate him from the game? Yeah, I mean, we've seen it. Uh, you saw it against Oklahoma in the second matchup. When we played Oklahoma in Oklahoma City that night, he had zero in that game against Long Kruger's club. So it was one of those deals where if you can hold Jamias Ramsey down, I mean, he's the second leading scorer in the Big 12 uh, coming going into that Oklahoma weekend. Now that kind of, you know, derailed that kind of set, but he's probably the best freshman in this league uh, whenever Jamias is Jamias. And whenever he's on his game, it's one of those deals where you can only hope to contain him. You can't stop him. But if you can somehow give him fits. I mean, you look at the second meeting between these two teams when Texas beat Texas Tech here in Lubbock. Uh, Jemias Ramsey was 4 of 13 from the field. He only had 13 points, and you say, well, only 13. He's averaging closer to 20 points a game for Texas Tech. And then also, I think you stop a guy like Kyler Edwards. If Kyler Edwards starts to get a feel for it, he's one of those guys that he's a he's a feel kind of guy in a game. If he gets hot, Kyler Edwards can be can be dangerous. Um, and then, you know, as far as Texas Tech goes, you talked about you know the the, the big difference that Cunningham makes for Texas. Uh, it's, we have kind of one of those guys and our guys, Avery Benson here in Lubbock and Avery Benson, who's kind of that energy guy doesn't shoot it as well as Cunningham. Cunningham can shoot it. You know, in that last meeting here in Lubbock, Cunningham was three for three from the field. I think he had eight points, something like that. And, and grabbed a few rebounds too. So he had a really good game for a guy off the bench and a guy that didn't even play in that first meeting in Austin. So I think it comes down to stopping Jemias Ramsey one, uh, keeping Texas Tech off of the offensive glass because Texas Tech really gets active on the offensive glass. And obviously with Jericho Sims uh, looking like he's not going to be playing anymore here, uh, that's going to be tough. But Texas Tech had a tough time with Andrew Jones in both meetings, really. And Andrew Jones really showed out. And then Courtney Ramey obviously hit that big shot, that runner three-pointer there uh, at the end of that game here in Lubbock to kind of just pull it away. Um, but, yeah, I think if, if Texas can stop Jemias Ramsey, they have a really good opportunity at, at picking up a win here today. And for Texas Tech, we just talked about this being a playing game. If Texas Tech wants to make it to the NCAA tournament and do anything, Jemias Ramsey is going to have to get out, get out of kind of this end-of-season slump that he's been in and move that along and just play basketball. So if, they, if Texas Tech can do that, if Texas can't stop Jemias, it's going to be a long day. Yeah, the other name that I would bring up that I'm kind of worried about just because of uh, how good he is of a shooter is David Moretti. Yeah. Uh, you talk about a guy who's, what, 90% from the free throw line. So 
you know, he hits his shots once you if you foul him. So if they get into foul trouble and they get it, you know, late in games, when you turn it into you got to foul this guy so he can shoot free throws, he's the guy I do not want on the line. Uh, he yeah. can hit some pretty big threes. You know, he's a underrated player, I think, that doesn't get enough uh, publicity for what he does for that team. Obviously, he was, he's was he been a part of the national championship runner-up team, and, you know, he's really been a big part of what they do. So he's a guy that I a little bit, I'm a little bit worried about. So if you had to go ahead and give me your prediction, who do you have winning this game between Texas and Texas Tech? Oh, man. Yeah, and this one's tough because, you know, Texas Tech has not been playing really good basketball at all down the stretch. They lost their last four. Um, but Texas, on the other hand, had been playing really good basketball up until they played Oklahoma State. But in this type of situation, you've you've given Chris Beard a week to basically reset, reprepare, all that stuff. And, and I'm not saying Shaka Smart doesn't do the same thing because I think they're both very similar in style. But I think Texas Tech, uh, just with the – the injuries to Texas with Jericho Sims being out and, and obviously the, the other thing, a uh, couple guys that you mentioned, I think Texas tech wins this one, but it's going to be close. I think this is going to be a dog fight and I don't know what the over under is going to be set at. Um, but, and I haven't looked it up, but I would say take the under because these two teams are going to play defense. Uh, but I think Texas tech squeezes it out a close one around the 68, 63, 68, 64 type range. Yeah, I, when I looked at the game, that's kind of the way I felt about it, is you're giving a little bit too much time for Chris Beard, you know, who's right. obviously a really good head coach, and, you know, he understands his player. And I, I think that's the biggest thing about him is he understands his guys. He knows, you know, what they're going through mentally. He knows how to prepare them. He knows how to get them up, up and going. Again, like you said, Shaka Smart, he's no slouch as a, as a coach. He's been to the Final Four as well, just not with the Texas Longhorns team. He did it with – you know, VCU, which might be a little bit harder because you're not getting the top-tier prospects no kidding, to come yeah. to your school. And yeah. so – but I think it's going to be tough. I do think it's going to be tough, but I, I think I'm going to give the slight edge to Tech just because they're a lot more healthy and I think they have yeah. more firepower. Uh, I think, you know, if T.J. Holyfield is getting balls off the glass, it's going to be a long night for Texas because they have Kai Jones, Royce Hamm, who only played 10 minutes in their last game. So, you know, they're going to need – those guys to play well, but I give the slight edge to tech in that game. But uh, Carson, I want to appreciate you jumping on the show. If you want to check out all of his work, check out 1340 AM in Lubbock. He's part of the Rob Bro show. Also follow him on Twitter at K Rob underscore radio. And I uh, appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah. Thanks man. Anytime. All right. Now that we got the preview out the way, we're going to do talk about a little bit about the tournament, get you updated on the brackets. Uh, yesterday, in the first game of the Big 12 tournament, Oklahoma State beat Iowa State 72-71. That was a very close game. They come back and win that one. So now Oklahoma State, they draw the number one seeded Kansas Jayhawks. And Kansas State upset TCU 53-49. And now they move on in the bracket, and they will face the number two Baylor squad. So TCU and Iowa State out of the tournament. You know, uh, for those teams, they had to go all the way to get an automatic invite into the NCAA tournament. They're now out. Kansas State, Oklahoma State still in the fight, which is a little bit interesting because 
Iowa or Oklahoma State's the team that Ari picked yesterday. To yeah, run. we both thought that was a great pick too. I mean, obviously they handled Texas in the last meeting, so I mean they're kind of a dark horse, but I think it's definitely realistic that they could. Absolutely, and in the last game that fans will be allowed to attend at the dish. Hey, um, Texas baseball had a big win over Abilene Christian last night. Uh, they defeated them 9-1, to and actually Abilene Christian didn't even put up a run until the eighth inning. So overall, the Longhorns were dominant in this matchup. Uh, I know Zach Zubia hit another home run, like we've been mentioning quite a bit on this podcast. But uh, what were your biggest takeaways from this game? Yeah, so Colby Kubitschek, he came in, pitched the first four innings. He got the win for his second win on the year. You know, four shutout innings. He only allowed one hit. So he, you know, he did his job of shutting them down. Uh, the great, you know, great thing was Justin Eckerd made his Longhorn debut in the ninth inning to close out the game. Obviously, they won, like you said, it was a big win, nine to one. You know, they got off the bat early because they were they were manufacturing a run. You know, they had the sacrifice fly from Trey Faltian, uh, you know, Austin Todd, he starts on, gets on base. You know, the, the story, though, really was uh, the play of Murphy Staley last night, who really, you know, he had a big game. He had three RBIs. Um, Eric Kennedy's, you know, he set a record for his own personal best for three steals in the game. You know, Todd came up in the uh, – capped off the inning with the two-out RBI that, you know, bringing in more runs and that's you know that was in the fourth they were up six to nothing at that point or in the third i'm sorry they scored three more runs in the fourth inning you know so and staley had the two run single with the bases loaded to bring it to nine to nothing so it was just a a well-played game by the team you know they needed um they're getting ready for a weekend series they just needed like an easy win for them they didn't need to stress their bullpen out too much you know, they were hoping that they wouldn't get into a big scoring, you know, a big shootout game uh, just for that reason, because they have that series coming up. Oklahoma is looming in two weeks. So, you know, it was a good win for them. You know, ACU, Abilene Christian is a very young team. You know, they're very new to Division One baseball. And I think they said this is their seventh season playing Division One, Third yeah. season where they're actually eligible for post season play so you know they're still a relatively young program much like Boise State who played the first games that they played in 40 years and so but it was it's a good measuring stick for them to see where they are against division one opponents and it was a good game for Texas to get that win and now like I said they'll get ready for New Mexico starting on Friday and um, we got some other stuff going on on the uh, on the 40 this weekend don't we we do. We actually um, back are going back to football talk, but um, Texas actually hosted a five-star running back, Kamara Wheaton, on Tuesday. It was an unofficial visit, but he also, um, in February of 2019 last year, he was at Texas's junior day. So it's not his first visit on campus, but um, Texas is heavily recruiting him. I mean, he's a high-profile prospect out of Garland Lakeview Centennial. He um, could be um, the 
obviously second five-star running back in back-to-back classes. Even though we only signed one running back in the 2020 class, it was obviously five-star uh, signee Bijan Robinson. But um, according to 24-7 Sports, he, uh, Wheaton, for example, is the number 16 overall player in the 2021 recruiting class. Um, he's the highest-rated prospect at his respective position, so he's the number one running back in the nation. He's currently the number two overall player in the state of Texas, uh, right behind offensive tackle Tommy Brockermeyer, who's also considering Texas. And I know Wheaton has um, over a dozen offers, I believe 25 to 27 different offers um, from schools like Texas, Oklahoma, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, things like that. And it's a little early, but the crystal ball prediction is um, leaning him towards Oklahoma at the moment. And I actually believe he took that Oklahoma unofficial visit the day before he visited Texas. But He's a he's a playmaker. He's 5'11", 190 pounds. He accounted for over 3,000 rushing yards and 40 rushing touchdowns throughout his high school career thus far. So um, that would be a huge get um, to land a five-star running back in back-to-back recruiting classes. Yeah, and that's a smart thing to do, I think. You can't just look at a, look at a guy like B. John Robinson and say, well, he's a five-star guy. He's going to be our guy for the next several years. Let's not even look at this guy because obviously – with transfer rules and transfer portals, any of these guys can leave at any time. They don't even have to talk to coaches. So, you know, you never know. So it's always good to be proactive rather than reactive. I agree. And like you mentioned, um, injuries can happen at any time. And whether it's a minor injury or a career threatening or ending injury, you just never know those things. And you can never have too many good players. And I was thinking about that earlier, too, when I was actually writing about Wheaton. Um how they would kind of put these five-star prospects on the field. And another case you can make is sometimes their um, positional rating, for example, or their uh, prospect rating doesn't actually transition over uh, to the field and call college play. So um, there's just a lot of factors that come into play. But overall, you know you're a good coach when um, you can find a way to put your best players on the field, whether that's um, being flexible with their positions. Um, maybe it's riding the hot hands throughout that um, specific game. But I think you can find a way to obviously put your best players on the field. And we've been talking about, for example, the slot wide receiver competition with Jake Whitting, um, Jake Smith and Jordan Whittington already getting those mixed up. So that'll be fun. But um, we'll just combine yeah, them. And yeah, you, you just honestly have to find a way to get your best players on the field. And um, you just never know what can happen in, in college ball. So I think um, – Obviously, landing two back-to-back five-star running backs would be huge for Tom Herman. And, I mean, he is really upping his recruiting trail because we were just speaking about the two five-star defensive linemen that he signed in back-to-back classes. So things are definitely looking up in that sense. Yeah, and they're after going after Landon Jackson, who out of Texarkana, he's, I think he's – his crystal boss is either A&M or Oklahoma, but he's like – the top defensive end, weak side defensive end. Uh, and then, you know, so it's not like he's not going after every five-star that he can get his hands on. Um, you know, can can they get all of them? That's going to be, you know, a big question. I mean, and, and they're hitting the recruiting trails. And, you know, I hate to circle back to, you know, our conversation in segment one, but is this going to affect recruiting now with – the coronavirus, COVID-19, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, that's interesting because I actually read a couple of reports yesterday about how some, you know, how kind of universities at the moment are handling it um, kind of on their own uh, case-by-case mm-hmm. case basis type of thing. But um, 
like we've kind of mentioned, everyone honestly is just kind of winging it right now. They're not used to something like this popping up and things like that. But I did read that some universities were suspending traveling for recruiting and things like that. So that would obviously make a huge difference. I mean, you're not really um, going to be able to host recruits, um, maybe on scheduled or expected visits at the time. Maybe um, your recruiters aren't going to be able to travel out to go um, obviously convince some of the young prospects. So I think that would be a huge impact on recruiting. Yeah, I think so, because I believe it was Michigan. I want to say that I saw a report today that they were limiting that. So, yeah, it could very well be. It was just a thought that popped in my head as we were talking about, you know, the five-star in Wheaton or Jackson or any of the other guys that they're going to be looking at. It'd be really interesting how they limit the visits to the university and how all that's going to play out. I'm sure we're going to find out more and more about it. But uh, that's actually going to do it for this edition of the Lock on Longhorns podcast. Now tell your smart device to play the latest episode of The Draft Dudes, and we will catch you tomorrow. Hook them. Your Locked on Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns.